Trapcast Express. Trapcast Express, it's Wednesday, June 16th, 2021. Great news, everyone. Francis has made it clear to seminarians that he will not tolerate perversion. In an address to the community of the St. Pius X Pontifical Regional Seminary in Ancona, Italy, given on June 10th, the papal imposter said, quote, Clericalism is a perversion of the priesthood. It's a perversion. And rigidity is one of the manifestations. When I find a seminarian or a young priest who is rigid, I say, something bad is happening to him inside. Behind all rigidity, there is a serious problem because rigidity lacks humanity, unquote. Bam! There goes yet another pope being all Catholic and all that. So there we have it. If, on the other hand, seminarians engage in unspeakable acts, then the papal response is, who am I to judge? Well, actually, let's see. In 1 Corinthians 2.15, St. Paul says, Quote, but the spiritual man judgeth all things, unquote. So who is Francis to judge? Well, obviously not the spiritual man. All right, while we're on the topic of the Frankster, on June 10th, the false pope tweeted the following, quote, perseverance is the gift of God by which all his other gifts are maintained. Let us pray that as individuals and as church, we might persevere in doing good and not to lose sight of what counts, unquote. Okay, it's nice to hear the Argentinian apostate talk about final perseverance for once, but notice what he omits. He makes no reference to the final goal. He just talks generically about doing good. What is that? And most of all, what for? Doing good is wonderful, but it's not the goal. It's only the means to the goal. What is the goal? Francis doesn't tell you. Why not? Because he's a naturalist, and eternal beatitude in heaven is a supernatural goal. See, Francis doesn't preach the true gospel from above. He preaches the false gospel of man, from below. In other news, on May 18th of this year, 1 Peter 5 published a heartfelt cry of desperation from a Novus Ordo seminarian who is calling it quits because the Roman Catholic religion is simply not taught or practiced in the Vatican II Church. And so he asks, is there any reason why I should remain Catholic? It's a really heart-wrenching piece because you can tell it comes from the heart of a good-willed, sincere, and pious soul who's just trying to be a faithful Catholic but is realizing that the religion he believes in is not welcome in the official structures of what is supposedly the Roman Catholic Church. Now, two days later, on May 20th, a response to that piece was published also on 1 Peter 5, by Dr. Peter Kwasniewski. It's entitled, A Reply to the Discouraged Seminarian. There are 6,000 reasons to remain Catholic. But here's the rub. 
Not a single one of those 6,000 reasons has anything to do with the Vatican II Church. And what are those 6,000 reasons that Kwasniewski references? Well, he says that the Catholic Church venerates at least 6,000 saints, and he explicitly does not mean the post-Vatican II saint factory, meaning that without question, every single one of those 6,000 saints lived and died before Vatican II and testified to the truth of the pre-Vatican II Church. So, Kwasniewski is actually confirming the seminarian's very occasion of despair, namely, that the church he accepts as the Roman Catholic Church today, the Vatican II Church, gives one no reason to be a Catholic and every reason not to be one. In fact, as the seminarian is finding out, one cannot really be a Catholic in it. So Kwasniewski has unwittingly proven the seminarian's very point, namely that today's supposed Catholic Church is an apostate institution. But if today's church is, as Kwasniewski believes, identical in essence to the pre-Vatican II Church, then that means that the Catholic Church has become apostate. But if the Catholic Church has become apostate, then it cannot be the church founded by Jesus Christ. The only way to get out of this conundrum is to hold that the Vatican II Church is not the Roman Catholic Church. Now look, I'm not saying that we've got it all figured out, okay? There is a lot of mystery here. You know, people ask, well, how did this happen, right? How could this happen? And what about Cardinal this and Bishop that, how come they didn't see it? Folks, at the end of the day, we have to go by what we know, and what we know about the Vatican II Church now. So forget about what other people knew or didn't know or see decades ago. You can't base your religion on an opinion, and that's all it is. People have the opinion that someone like, say, Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre or Cardinal Alfredo Ottaviani or Padre Pio, that since these men were in state of Acantus, then we shouldn't be either. Well, for one thing, Archbishop Lefebvre died in 1991, Cardinal Ottaviani in 1979, and Padre Pio in 1968. We've seen a lot more things than what they ever saw. And we have a lot more information now than they did back then. And without meaning to denigrate in any way whatever good and holy things these three individuals may have said or done, let me just make the objective observation that no Catholic is required to believe that any of them was either exceptionally holy or exceptionally prudent, or had any kind of special guidance from God that we ought now to imitate. On the other hand, we are required to adhere firmly to Catholic teaching and not to allow any individual cleric, no matter how holy, no matter how learned or how pious he appears to have been, to trump that teaching. And so, In order to figure out this mess in the church today, you have to look at the pre-Vatican II doctrines 
and draw the conclusions that follow from them for our situation. You cannot outsource that to some figure you've personally chosen to attach yourself to. And yet that is precisely what happens in these semi-traditionalist groups time and again, especially those that aren't in full communion with, with Rome, with Francis. The Society of St. Pius X, for example, is all concerned about being loyal to the archbishop, right, to Archbishop Lefebvre. What they should be worried about is being loyal to Catholic doctrine. Now, they might say that Archbishop Lefebvre himself was loyal to Catholic doctrine and therefore being loyal to the archbishop is being loyal to Catholic doctrine. But, funny, that's actually not what the doctrine says. See, the doctrine says that the ultimate criterion of your faithfulness to Catholic teaching is your adherence to the Pope. Therefore, you must be in communion with the Pope, and the one to determine whether you are or not is not you, but the Pope. The Pope, any true Pope, is the divinely appointed guarantee of orthodoxy in the Church. The papacy, you have to remember, is a divine institution. It is God's creation, not man's. So even though all other bishops in the world might fall away from the faith, the bishop of Rome will not. God himself guarantees it. And now you can see the importance of Sedevacantism. Because only if the papal claimants after Pius XII were impostors, were not true popes, only then can we understand why the modernist revolution was able to take place, why God's promises and guarantees for the papacy didn't prevent it. And yes, that is foretold in sacred scripture, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 to 11. Let me quote that to you, and this time I'm going to quote it from the pre-Vatican II Monsignor Ronald Knox translation, which is easier to understand for most people than the Douay Reims translation, and perhaps it's a good thing to hear this passage in a different rendition for once. So this is St. Paul speaking, quote, Do not let anyone find the means of leading you astray. The apostasy must come first. The champion of wickedness must appear first, destined to inherit perdition. This is the rebel who is to lift up his head above every divine name, above all that men hold in reverence, till at last he enthrones himself in God's temple and proclaims himself as God. Do not you remember my telling you of this before I left your company? At present there is a power, you know what I mean, which holds him in check, so that he may not show himself before the time appointed to him. Meanwhile, the conspiracy of revolt is already at work. Only he who checks it now will be able to check it until he is removed from the enemy's path. Then it is that the rebel will show himself, and the Lord Jesus will destroy him with the breath of his mouth, overwhelming him with the brightness of his presence." He will come when he comes with all Satan's influence to aid him. There will be no lack of power of counterfeit signs and wonders, and his wickedness will deceive the souls that are doomed to punish them for refusing that fellowship in the truth which would have saved them. 
That is why God is letting loose among them a deceiving influence, so that they give credit to falsehood. He will single out for judgment all those who refused credence to the truth and took their pleasure in wrongdoing. Unquote. Again, that's 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 3 through 11. And there we have it. From the very beginning, from Good Friday on, when the Jews definitively rejected the true Messiah and so became apostate, from that day on, they have sought to supplant his reign, his kingdom, and to make war against it. And that movement of apostasy that they spawned will culminate in the reign of the Antichrist. That's why St. Paul says that the apostasy must come first before Christ returns. See, the Thessalonians were under the impression that Christ's return was imminent, that they would live to see the Lord return in glory. And so in verses 1 and 2, which I didn't quote, he tells them, no, don't let anyone tell you that because other things have to happen first. Other things have to happen before Christ returns. And it is those things that he then goes on to describe. This great movement of apostasy then that began on Good Friday will not be victorious until the appointed time, just as Christ's enemies were not able to overcome him until Good Friday. And not because they were more powerful than him, but because God wanted it that way. God freely chose to allow himself to be overcome by his enemies, and so it was going to be also with his church, which is his mystical body. Until the appointed time, the movement of apostasy could not succeed. It could not usher in this great and universal apostasy that will produce the Antichrist because, as St. Paul says, there is someone who keeps it in check, someone who stands in the enemy's path until he is taken out of the way. And who do you think that is? It is the Pope. God established the papacy as the divine guarantee for the infallibility and indefectibility of the church, but he also decreed that the day would come when the Pope is taken out of the way for a time, so that the mystery of iniquity, that movement of apostasy, can prevail just as the Jews and the Romans prevailed against Christ for a short time. And that is, in essence, what Pope Pius IX teaches in his 1853 encyclical Inter Multiplices. Quote, Now you know well that the most deadly foes of the Catholic religion have always waged a fierce war, but without success, against this chair. They are by no means ignorant of the fact that religion itself can never totter and fall while this chair remains intact, the chair which rests on the rock, which the proud gates of hell cannot overthrow, and in which there is the whole and perfect solidity of the Christian religion. Therefore, because of your special faith in the church and special piety toward the same chair of Peter, we exhort you to direct your constant efforts so that the faithful people of France may avoid the crafty deceptions and errors of these plotters and develop a more filial affection and obedience to this apostolic see. 
Be vigilant in act and word, so that the faithful may grow in love for this holy see, venerate it, and accept it with complete obedience. They should execute whatever the see itself teaches, determines, and decrees. Unquote. Again, that's the encyclical Inter Multiplicis, paragraph 7. So, Pius IX is warning people against the fierce attacks of that movement of apostasy, which of course has many different manifestations, it's not just one doctrine or group of people. For example, you've got Protestantism, you've got Freemasonry, you've got communism, you've got theosophy, and so on. He's warning people that all this is striving against the chair of St. Peter, but won't be able to prevail for as long as that chair remains intact. And therefore, he exhorts people, in order to ensure that they will not be misled by this evil movement, by all these evil ideas, he exhorts them to complete loyalty and obedience to the apostolic see. The papacy is the very antidote to the garbage we are witnessing today that is being pushed by this false church in Rome. Yes, it is a false church. We know that. We know that an institution that teaches liberty, equality, and fraternity instead of faith, hope, and charity, that rejoices at the Hindu festival of lights and wishes Muslims that they draw abundant spiritual fruit from their observance of Ramadan, a church that believes the apostate Jews to be God's chosen people and worships Pachamama in St. Peter's Basilica, a church that teaches that the sixth commandment is really more of a suggestion that would be ideal to follow if it doesn't conflict too much with your life, a church that claims that God wills there to be many different religions as a reflection of his wisdom, such a church may be a lot of things, but it is definitely not the Roman Catholic Church, the spotless bride of Christ, and ark of eternal salvation, outside of which no one can be saved. Folks, figuring this out is not that difficult. Uncomfortable? Yes, certainly. Inconvenient? Definitely. Puzzling? For sure. But nevertheless, true. And the truth, as our blessed Lord says in John 8.32, will make us free. So, what to do? If you're new to Sedevacantism, if you're bewildered about everything, if you just need some consoling words and helpful guidance, help you figure things out, go to novosordowatch.org slash now what. That will give you a lot of information and not leave you hanging. Again, that's novosordowatch.org slash now what. That's one word, now what. And so you see that the semi-traditionalists like Peter Kwasniewski, those recognizant resistors who think that you can be a Roman Catholic in the Vatican II Church, you just have to resist all the evil there while recognizing the hierarchy as true, make a mockery of the very traditional Catholic doctrine they supposedly seek to uphold and safeguard. St. Ambrose said that where Peter is, there is the church, meaning where the Pope is, 
There is the church. Now, when there hasn't been a pope for decades, it is then understandably very difficult to answer the question, where is the church? But answering that question begins with knowing where the church is not. And if there's one place where the Roman Catholic Church is definitely not, it is the apostate Vatican II sect currently headed by Jorge Bergoglio. Tradcast Express is a production of Novos Ordo Watch. Check us out at tradcast.org, and if you like what we're doing, please consider making a tax-deductible contribution at novosordowatch.org slash donate.